preach this morning sermon number four in the series called My God is Jehovah. We have been following the life of Elijah, looking at his story. And what I really want us to see this morning is that all of the events in Elijah's life they're all tied together. And they all speak of the fact that God is Jehovah. The supreme, eternal, self-existent God. And so we will we'll see this, that all of these events tied together begin to reinforce the supremacy of God. I want to catch this up because when you say that, you have to tie everything in together. As we look at the life of Elijah, he comes upon the scene and he confronts King Ahab, who is, the Bible says, the most wicked king up to that point. He has done more to anger God than any king, and that is saying a lot. And as we look at uh, this confrontation, Ahab, not only is he personally worshiping Baal, which includes an, a, an occult prostitution, but also this child sacrifice. And, and I think this is very timely as we look up at the, can I say finally, the overturning of Roe v. Wade. In that day, they were sacrificing children in order to honor Baal. And as we look at this, not only was that happening, but there was a hatred for people who worshiped the true God. There was a killing of the prophets or anyone who stood to recognize that God is Jehovah, that he sits upon the throne and that he reigns supreme. So Elijah, beckoned by God, comes onto the scene and he begins to pray. That's important. Prayer makes a difference in our lives. But not only in our lives, but in the lives of the people that surround us. Prayer makes a difference in our community. Prayer makes a difference in our state. And prayer makes a difference in our nation as we begin to call upon God. And that's exactly what Elijah did. And God said, go to the king and tell him that it will not rain for three and a half years. There will be no rain. There will be no dew. No water will touch the earth. The drought. In this open first confrontation, God sends Elijah to go hide. For there are times that we are to hide and get close to God and recognize that we need God to pour into our lives. Can I get an amen this morning? And we see this in Elijah told the king that there's going to be no rain. And he goes and he hides and the ravens begin to feed him. Meet every morning, meet every night. And he sits by the brook and everything is wonderful and everything is divine. And he drinks of the water, but the brook begins to dry up. But God is still Jehovah. He still is a supplying supreme 
God. And so God tells him, go and seek out a little woman in Zarephath, a widow. And there you will find that she will sustain you. And Elijah goes, and we don't know what he's expecting, but I guarantee you that it was not what he was expecting. And he finds this poor little woman who says that I don't even have any bread. All I'm going to do is put together this little bit of flour and this little bit of oil, and I'm going to fix a cake for me and my son, and then we are going to die. But God is still Jehovah. Still on the throne. And Elijah looks at her and he says, do what you said, but first, fix something for me. You see, when we offer God our first and our best, he always supplies for our need. Hang out there in Zarephath. And Elijah stays there. And this faithful widow woman feeds him and nourishes him throughout the three and a half years. At some point in this her son dies. Now, when I look at that, I'm just like, God, that is not even fair. This faithful little woman has fed the prophet of God, and it's not even fair. But in times of unfairness, hear me. In times of unfairness, God is still Jehovah God. And he still reigns upon the throne of our hearts. And so Elijah prays. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, he prayed again. Elijah prays again and her, her son revives. We talked about that last time. That there is revival coming to a people who are willing to be sold out to God, to do what God has required of them, to be a praying people, a people who seek his face, a people who, who are willing to turn aside and to repent. Everywhere I go, everything I'm listening to these days talks about repentance because repentance is the first thing that must happen in order for revival to come. But Israel was not ready to repent. So Ahab comes on the scene and he wants, uh, Elijah comes on the scene and he once again confronts Ahab and he tells them, get all of Israel together and go to Mount Carmel. Now, I don't know why the king obeyed the prophet who he didn't like to begin with, but when God says move, he's God. And so the king obeys and he, he gathers all of Israel to Mount Carmel. Now, I have been to Mount Carmel, and then, can I tell you, just, just as a, a little bit of uh, uh, telling you what will happen, is there is a great monument there to Elijah. So we already know that God won. We already know that the prophet of God was successful in what God has called him to do. And so Elijah meets there. And the prophets of Baal are on the scene. And he tells them, take you a bull. You pick it out. You prepare it. You slaughter it. You lay it upon the altar, but don't light a fire under it. And I'm going to do the same thing. I'm not going to put any fire under it. 
name, Almighty God, and there will be no question from here forward who is God. The prophets of Baal call upon their God, and they begin to cut themselves. They begin to dance around the altar, and they begin to jump, and they begin to cry, and begin to scream. Can I tell you, they were not at fault, and they were more uh, energetic than we have been this morning. Thank you, Diane. And you could not fault them for their passion, but they were not praying to a living God. And finally, they give up. Elijah says, it's my turn. Let me know that God always has a turn. <laughs> no matter what it looks like, God always has a turn. 1 Kings 18, 30. Verse 30 and verses 36 through 39. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar. Say that with me. He repaired the altar. He repaired it. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God. Somebody say that with me. Let it be known that you are God. You see, Elijah saying, after this day, there's going to be no question about who's in charge, about who God is. Let it be known that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God. Say that with me. You are the Lord God. What a declaration. What boldness of Elijah. And that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Say the fire of the Lord fell. And consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. You see, Elijah was so confident in his God that in a time of drought that he said, go get a, a big barrel of water and begin to pour it upon the altar and upon the sacrifice, upon the wood. Let it drain down uh, into the ditch that I have dug and let it pour out. And don't do it once. Don't do it twice. But do it three times. We'll see who God is. Now when all the people saw it. Now let's just back up. Licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it. They fell on their faces. And they said. The Lord. He is God. The Lord. He is God. Can you say that with me this morning? The Lord. He is God. The Lord, he is God. Three and a half years, no rain. And Baal was supposed to be the sky god, the one in charge of the crops. But his providence had been unable to produce rain. And it is important that God take care of the enemy, that God take care of the prophets of Baal before he sends rain to Israel. It's crucial to understand for the people that the rain did not come from Baal, but it came from the living God, Jehovah. Israel gathers at Mount Carmel. 
and Elijah challenges them, challenges them to make a decision. First Kings 18:21. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. Here is Israel. And I want to give you the picture of the way God looked at them. Like they are an unfaithful marriage partner. They were the children of God. Yet they were worshiping an untrue God, Baal. And can I tell you that God is not interested in a divided, divided loyalty or divided devotion. That's good preaching right there. You see, God doesn't want just a little bit of you. We talk about how God wants our heart. That word heart there means uh, all of us. There is a devotion to God, and He is a jealous God. I know we don't understand that because in the human, we look at jealousy as a bad thing, but it is not a bad thing. If some guy is paying too much attention to my wife, it is good for me to be jealous because I'm going to take him out if he keeps it up. Somebody help me out this morning. You see, jealousy, when God is talking about it, He's saying, I am yours and you are mine and I want a solid devotion to me and I want you to make a decision. So that's why when you get ready to get married, the pastor says, will you give yourself to her? Will you love her and honor her? Will you cherish her? Uh, why? Because we have to make a decision. And when it comes to God, when we get saved, we are marrying God and we are devoted to be devoted to Him. Make a decision. Sir Baal or Jehovah. The Hebrew word there says that they were faltering, hopping or dancing is what that word means. You ever try to pin somebody down and they don't want to really tell you what they think? You sit there over here a little bit and over here a little bit. And I was reminded, the Holy Spirit reminds us of things when we really study. My wife and I go on walks around the neighborhood. We haven't done much of that lately. But you know that I was born clubfoot. And I am right leg dominant. So when we walk, I'm constantly walking into her. And I have to adjust. That is what Elijah said. Walk the narrow path. Do what God has called you to do. Stay in line with God. Don't drift away. Don't hop around. around between two opinions. How long? Elijah said, how long? Give an account of the time that you have wasted. Don't wait another day to start serving the Lord. Today is the day of salvation. James 1.8 tells us that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. 
C.H. Spurgeon commented on that one little thought. How long? I, I, I just want you to hear this because this is hundreds of years ago and it's almost prophetic in the way it's spoken. How long? How many sermons do you want? How many Sundays must roll away wasted? How many warnings? How many sicknesses? How many tollings of the bell to warn you that you must die? How many graves must be dug for your family before you will be impressed? Hear this. How many plagues and pestilences must ravage this city before you will turn to God in truth? How long will you halt between two opinions? How many plagues and pestilences must ravage this city before you will turn to God in truth? But the people were silent. They said not a word. Why? Because Queen Jezebel and because King Ahab had led them astray. I know this, when I wrote this, I know that this was a prompting of the Lord. A government that promotes ungodly actions will experience the wrath and the justice of God. These 450 prophets, they're finished setting up the altar. They leaped, they prayed, they jumped around. Nothing happened. And what was the first thing that Elijah did? He repaired the altar. He repaired the altar. Folks, do you want to see revival in your life? Do you want to see revival in your immediate family? Do you want to make a difference in this world? Do you believe that you serve a God who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above what you could ask, think, or imagine? If so, then we must repair the altars in our lives. Well, prayer changes things. Prayer gets the attention of heaven. When we pray, we are in the process of plundering hell and populating heaven because the atmosphere is affected when we pray. Repair the altar. Elijah repaired the altar. And there's a sermon in all of that, but I want to jump forward. And he prayed. Now, those of you who aren't Pentecostal, I want you to see that he didn't jump around and he didn't shout and he didn't act crazy. And ain't nothing wrong with all that. Because I do it. And I like it whenever I get excited about praying. I prayed over the kids uh, Saturday. And Joanne Brown said, Woo, Pastor Brian said he didn't want to let go of that mic as he began to pray over those children who were returning to, to school. Why? Because I want you to know that uh, we must have a repaired altar and that when we have that, then the fire of God will fall upon it. But prayer is powerful. See, God was preparing and training and developing Elijah for this moment. All of this comes uh, and ties together. Elijah has been developed by faith. He's been sustained. He understands how to fully trust in God. And he prays, Lord, let it be known 
that you are God. Let me know. God, there is no other God beside you. You are Jehovah who reigns supreme, who sits upon the throne. And God, when it's all over, when it's all said and done, let them know that you are God. Oh, there's nobody like our God. He is a God who reigns over every circumstance. Throughout the world, he is God who sits upon the throne. There is none like him. My God is Jehovah. But know that you are God. And by the way, God, turn their hearts back to you again. That reminds me so much of Chronicles 7, 14. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Turn our hearts, God. Help us turn our hearts to you. God. 